0: Hello, Kieran here. This episode has been remastered from its source recording as the original finished version is unavailable. As it's been re-edited from scratch, it might be a little different to the first release. If you have the original version, please get in touch at HYSPodcast on Twitter or HYSPodcast at gmail.com. Enjoy! It's time for the Action Movies of Wildly Differing Budgets double feature as we talk Wedlock and Jack Reacher on episode 89 of Have You Seen? Hello, fellow collared inmates and people, short people impersonating <laughs> tall people. It is episode 89 of Have You Seen. And would you believe it? We have made it into the submersible for a change. Yeah. We um, can
1: actually see each other while we speak.
0: Yes. Um, that, that voice you hear is uh, Tom Reacher Webb, which I guess makes me Kieran Rutger Hauer Lafort. Um There's a new addition to the submersible. We have a new table, which is very exciting. Yes. It's Although- very long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom is at least an extra foot away from me yeah. than he was uh, last time yeah. we were in here. I
1: kind of feel that we need some kind of like small train, like like you know, a little train set that goes in a loop so that we can pass things to each other.
0: <laughs> what do we ever pass to each other? Nothing. It would be, be cool to, to have the facility to each other for specials and things. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, this is a semi-special, I suppose. Both action movies. Yeah,
1: I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: With a with a link we discovered. Yes. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, what should we, do? should we do? Should we do it in order of release date and budget?
1: I th- yeah, I think that's probably best.
0: Yes. Okay, so, uh, last time out I pitched Tom the uh, very low budget, uh, but I find highly enjoyable Wedlock, mm-hmm. um, which was a TV movie made for HBO in 1991, and I saw, must have seen it when I was about, I don't know, 15 or 16? Right. Um probably at a mate's house it was definitely a mate's house on vhs it was would have been a double feature with this and blind fury right which i'm pretty sure you haven't seen no no that will get pitched as well at some point rookahawa okay as a hulking blind white samurai
1: <laughs> okay yeah okay. we'll do that at some yeah. point I haven't yeah yeah
0: i just haven't got a copy yet i remember it being really good anyway okay. wedlock yes um right i'll just read what i read last week okay Rutger Joan Chen and James Remar pull off a big diamond heist. Hauer is double-crossed and left for dead. Through means we don't see, he winds up at Camp Holiday Correctional Facility where there are no bars and no fences. The inmates each wear a collar, each linked to another collar. And if they get more than 100 yards apart, both collars explode. If you try to remove your collar, both collars explode. Trouble is, nobody knows who their partner is. Mm. So that's a good way of keeping your keeping your inmates under control, yeah, if you absolutely, like. absolutely, yeah. Um, the Ward Stephen Tobolowsky, who, as we said, is the uh, annoying Phil Connors man. He's, he played what's his name? Ned is his character, I think, isn't it?
1: I, what from in, in, uh, in Groundhog Day? I, I've only seen that once. The little bald fella who
0: eventually gets punched out by Bill yeah, Murray yeah, in Groundhog yeah, Day. Yeah, yeah. Um, who looks?
1: He, he plays a really um, obnoxious character in Deadwood as well. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In a similar sort of vein, he, he's kind of got a little niche going yes, on there. Yes. You know? um, Although he's also in Glee, like the very first few really? episodes of Glee, he plays. He, he I think he plays the uh he plays the glee club like the drama teacher mm. that gets usurped. Right. So he's very bitter. Uh, uh and uh he basically ends up making a living selling weed, I think.
0: Oh, Fine. Well, in yeah. this, he's the prison warden. He's Mr. Holiday of the Camp Holiday. Right. Uh he wants the location of the diamonds from Rookiehauer and tortures him with a sensory deprivation chamber they yes. call the floaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hauer and his wedlock partner work out they're connected and they break out to go and get the diamonds with Chen and Remar, who are now in the employ of the warden, in Hot Pursuit. Yeah. So that's it, really. It is, it is, Um I enjoy it because it's kind of... It's camp silly fun, yeah. but with a really solid and original sci-fi premise behind it. Yeah. Um, and I quite like Rutger Hauer.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's... Um... The whole uh, exploding collar thing mm. has has like appeared in lots of different movies. So yeah. I mean uh before this it would have been Running Man, uh after this you know Battle Royale. Yes. Um so I kinda you know, that that as a as a device I think works really well and it mm. but it doesn't kind of it doesn't feel in this certainly doesn't feel like a tired thing that's been overused or done before. No. because um, they've got the rules of it are they're very well interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think my first note overall mm. was it's a shame this didn't have a bigger budget mm. um, because it is such a great premise and I think the only things that let it down are its budget.
0: It was quite obviously made for two million bucks for TV. Yeah, yeah, and
1: I think... Um, Actually, I don't know what the budget was. I'm
0: just throwing that out yeah, there. Yeah,
1: the, I mean, and I think the script is is kind of... There's, there are moments when they, when they go towards a cliche line when it's kind of like... It could be, you know, it could be a bit more subtle or a bit more interesting. Mm, yeah, and I think the only person that kind of really pushes it out of that is Rutger Hauer.
0: Yes, he does. Uh, he does have a couple of great lines. Yeah. Um There is a line from somebody else actually, which I I described as the sweariest line I think I've ever seen. Right. Which is um, at the end of the Diamond Heist, Hauer. Uh, yeah. Uh, part of the they bu- they fuck it up, don't yeah, they? Really, yeah. They let the alarm off when. Yeah, they James James Remar is a bit impatient, yeah. and before Howard is the electronics expert, and before he's finished circumventing the alarm system, Remar manages to set it off. Yeah. Um. So, uh, part of their plan for escape is to disguise themselves as cops. Mm-hmm. Chen gets rumbled because she's wearing one of the diamond necklaces yeah. and gets spotted by one of the female cops. Mm-hmm. Shooting starts. Howard jumps in a police car and makes his escape, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, he. Uh, he abandons a police car. He abandons it, lets it drive itself out of a tunnel into other police cars and a big fat cop opens the door and says this line. Goddamn motherfucker, son of a bitch, where the fuck is he? (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) How much more cursing could you (laughs) possibly get
1: into that line? Um, So did you enjoy it overall? I did, yeah. I did. I meant to say that. And and like I say, I think it is hampered by the way it was made. Um, mm. uh, and I know, I know. Funnily enough, I know I've seen other movies this director has made because he made Jewel in the Nile, which I used to love watching as a kid. Jewel of the Nile, uh, Romancing the Stone is better. I I I always used to prefer Jewel of the Nile. Really?
0: Yeah. I don't know uh, why. Jewel in the Nile was the one I saw first. Right. Um, and then I end up seeing Romancing the Stone, yeah. which I I kind of have a weird hankering to watch again now. We're yeah. talking about it. Both of them. Yeah. I just
1: uh, there were bits in I don't know no there were some there were bits in it I just really really loved. Mm. Um, I think probably my my favorite bit in that is where Michael Douglas is trying to steal the jet fighter with no idea how it works yes. and gets so frustrated he just whacks his fist down and blows up the gate that he's been trying to get through. Yes, I and mean, stuff like that I really liked. And I guess the tone of that movie is within this as well, and you can kind of see that push to make it more cinematic. Mm. There's a lot of. um kind of ridley scott-esque kind of smoky sets and Mm. and that kind of thing going on and and i think it's 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 striving to be more than it was allowed to be by its budget Mm. um and i think that's a real real shame and i think it is absolutely ripe for a remake yeah um i think you could you could adjust some of the science a little bit
0: imagine if escape plan had been a remake of this
1: yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> which Schwarzenegger and Stallone collude yeah. and forced to go on the run together?
1: Yeah, that would be really cool. Uh,
0: unfortunately, it means one of them's got to be Mimi Rogers. <laughs> yeah, um, who, get, who? Which of the two would get to wear um uh, oh Hauer's God. Technicolor dream coat and Technicolor dream shirt yeah. he wears underneath?
1: It. I did write down that the, the costume department were having a right laugh with this. Well, yeah,
0: okay. Well, there's the bit where he and Rogers. Um, Steal a suitcase without re- working out who it belongs to. And then you see an African couple come out of the hotel and you realise they've nicked their clothes. Yeah. And then you see them walking around in these in it, clothes. Yeah. Um, uh, and, then, and then I wrote that uh, uh, Howard's Western clothes aren't much less conspicuous. No. Although uh, Mimi Rogers' attire of leggings and ankle boots would probably just blend in fine in today. Yeah, yeah. This is supposed it, to be set at some point in the future, yeah. I think, which I guess in 1991 would be 2000. Yeah, I think it was supposed. They to be. talk about like the floods of nineteen ninety nine or something. Yeah, or drought of nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, like I think
1: that. it. Well, it might be set. Uh, uh, I think that was seven years after that, so it might be around two thousand six, two thousand seven. Okay. I think what was really like they do set up that it's slightly in the future, mm. but they don't. They didn't take make any attempt to disguise like for example all the cop cars were blatantly 1991 Ford Tauruses yeah uh, so there was nothing on that i mean they were brown and white instead of black and white mm. but there was nothing to they didn't try and do anything to make them look slightly more or different from what they actually were
0: no but still in 1991 pretty much every police car on tv was the old 70s Plymouth I
1: guess, yeah.
0: So the Taurus would have been an update. I guess. It was just it's one of those car things- chat here on, have you? Seen?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess it's, it's one of those things that is just like where those little attention to details were the things that got cut out because of the budget. Because of the budget, yeah. You know, so, um, You've you got the colours. Go- what more do you want? Exactly. You kind of forgive it all of that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, I did notice, you know, uh, Danny Trejo's in it is like tough prisoner tough number prisoner one. Tough prisoner number yeah. one, yeah. There's a line that Rutger Hauer repeats over and over again when he gets up one morning, which is... Um, He's. I'm. I'm going I'm not gonna get killed today. I'm not gonna get killed today. I'm mm. not gonna get. He keeps walking around to mm. that, and I'm pretty sure that comes from something Danny Trejo has told a story about. Because obviously from he was in prison, prison from yeah. his time in prison, um, and I seem to remember him telling a story where you wake up in the morning and you decide, are you a predator or are you prey? Right. And you have to have this mantra of I'm not gonna get killed today to make yourself the predator and to to be the man to pick the fight not the man to be picked on mm. and he's like that's how you survive so i wondered if that was his his influence because i know quite often he was brought in to advise on uh prison movies prison related things that's that's yeah. how he like basically i think he was uh, he was working as um cuz he was obviously uh, a drug addict mm. before he went into prison when he came out he was reformed and he became like a uh, uh, an Addicts Anonymous sponsor mm. and uh, one of his one of the people he was mentoring works on a film set mm. and he got asked he was the guy who was like dude there's so much like blow around on this set that I'm really yeah. struggling can you come and Chat with me, and it was a movie where they were filming something. It wasn't this; it was a movie with a prison scene. Mm. And he just went along, and he was just chipping in. I, you know, they they wouldn't do that, or they mm. wouldn't do this. And the, you know, everyone was like, "Oh, okay." And they started to tap information. And then he became an extra. And then that's how his acting career started. Yeah. Um. So I wondered if, like, when people were doing prison movies, he was the go-to guy because they knew they'd get a decent extra, yeah. but also someone who would advise them on set yeah. as well. Yep. Yeah. Wonder if his fee went up for that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, what else you got? um one one of the things i did like in the prison seat, in the prowl prison is the twist of like the 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 guy that he befriends turning out to be an informant mm. i didn't see that coming at all yeah and i thought it was it was actually like a really nice little oh, oh that that's a really nice moment the way he figures out that they, this guy who is is friends is you know actually an informant yeah when you know you've been watching out exactly yeah, yeah that's how he finds out and you've been watching lots of people and every scene you've kind of been keeping your eye on the other people that have been antagonistic towards Rutger Howard yeah but you never really pay much attention to him mm. so I thought that was really nicely really nicely staged and done so that when it did come out I was like oh well, actually that's a nice little plot twist that mm. I didn't see coming um I'm trying to think what else. Um, Oh, the car chase with the Land Rovers. Mm. I I was just like, why would you have a car chase with Land Rovers? Because they don't really go. Mm. They don't really stop. And they don't really go around corners. (laughs) They're quite good for, you know, obviously going over rough terrain. But quite slowly. Yeah. Um, Well, if you need to
0: escape, you don't care how quickly you do it. You're getting a Land Rover.
1: Yeah. Um, There were a couple of, there was a lot of variation on uh, using the collars. In different ways, mm. so for example, to there were a couple of sequences where they used the collars to build tension, and a couple of scenes where each uh, um, ruka and Mimi Rogers would use the collar to get their own way. Mm. So, uh, you know, right when they're escaping, she wants to jump off this cliff into a river to escape, yes. and he doesn't want to, so she's just like fine, and she just jumps, so yes. he has to go with her, yeah. Um, so that's I really like the way they played with that and used that. Mm. And then there are two sequences, um, which one I think was a really great idea, but I think could have been drawn out a bit more or done in... A, a, built up a bit more intention and mm. another one which I thought was really nice but you only see one half of it mm. um, when it would have been quite interesting to see the other half mm. but I can imagine why yeah. so the first one was the bus sequence I thought you were going to say the bus
0: sequence yeah she gets
1: on the bus and he's not on the same bus and he has to make sure that he follows and, and he, he gets the bus behind to follow it and all yes. that kind of stuff that I thought is really good but it's really quite short and it, it doesn't quite pan out there is one of my favourite comedy exchanges in that where
0: he's uh, he's kidnapped the other bus driver <laughs> yeah. and he's forcing him to drive the bus he's like where's that bus going john lennon
1: park oh i've never been there (laughs) just really really casually yeah Yeah. i've never been there um yeah so i really like that but i think that you could have you could have made that a much more tense uh
0: yeah again that's a budgetary constraint thing we can afford two buses and three cars to go in between them yeah yeah yeah, for one day (laughs) yeah we've got a day to shoot this Um, let's just put a beeping sound over yeah and then the
1: second time they use the similar conceit is when she gets bundled into a lift and, the, and the starts to go again. down in the skyscra- skyscraper, and you see that Rutger Hauer climbs out a window and gets on a rope that's for the um the window washer yes. outside, and he's like thirty seven floors up yeah um and obviously for budget reasons, you only see what happens in the lift yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: which again well uh, also because Rutger Hauer probably wouldn't have want to fuck for yeah. doing that
1: um so I really enjoyed that sequence, and I thought that worked better um. in in terms of the tension Mm. um but again like you know they they could have made a bit more of it um and then i like the scene where where suddenly uh you see her uh in bed and something starts beeping and you think oh he's left and Mm. he's just left her and it turns out that he's actually lying in the bed behind her and you just can't see him and Mm. it's his his alarm on his watch going off which i thought that was a nice little touch
0: and preceding that yeah um they appear to have sex in the back of a paper delivery truck. Kind of, yes. Yes. Simply because one of Rutger Hauer's hands gets frisky. Yes. They're just laying there and he just reaches his hand back and starts like groping and squeezing her and yeah. then they roll over and get on with it.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, you know, they've obviously, I think it's when they, they finally get a bit of respite in their frantic. Yes. You know,
0: to so decide it's time for some frantic. Yeah. Um,. I really don't have many notes about this, you know.
1: No, I mean I've only my notes now are like the final scene, which I think the payoff, the way they pay and off they, uh, in the brewery, yeah, or, well, or even after that, p- after that,
0: because okay, we're not doing a very good job of explaining the story this time. No, Reemar really um, yeah. and Chen, as you might expect, catch up to our heroic couple uh, at Howard's uh, friend's brewery. Yeah, kill the friend mm-hmm. uh, by shooting him when he's at the top of the ladder. Yeah, um, and then there's a fight of sorts. Yeah. Riemar and Hauer end up falling into the bottom of a what are they called?
1: Uh, it's silo? It's like, yeah, it's yeah. like a uh, brain silo type thing. Uh, it's not it's actually one of the big chambers they use for fermentation. There we are, a fermentation chamber. Yeah, I can't remember what they're actually they've got yeah. a proper name, but I don't know what they're called.
0: And uh um Chen She's a bit crazy. Yeah. She takes some shots inside and hits yeah. Rima instead of Howard. Yeah, uh, which leads to another of my favourite comedy exchanges. <laughs> yeah, uh, where he's where Howard <laughs> says, uh, uh, "Looks like she fucked us both." Yeah. And Rima replies, "Yeah, you want her back." <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think uh, I thought Joan Chen was really evil in this. I thought she did that oh, really che- well,
0: chewing the scenery. Absolutely, yeah. but she
1: she did it. I, I really, I, you know, you really hated her.
0: Mm. Um, she very really obviously cool. wore the trousers in that relationship. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think that really, really mm. worked well. Um, and I like the fact that the way that set up the the depth that Howard puts into his character about not trusting women. Yes, and I think that 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 could have been that could have come across as very misogynistic, but. Mm uh it actually made him very vulnerable i yes. thought we well, had he had very good
0: reasons not to trust oh, absolutely women. but i think i think especially as you find out that uh rogers is on um the warden's payroll as well mm, but yeah. he kind of softens her yes throughout their throughout their escape
1: yeah i think that um yeah i think that he uh he kind of brings the vulnerability through rather mm. than you know, I think if if you'd put say, It's not easy
0: when you're like six foot three and no twenty stone no. And Dutch. I, th- I think I think <laughs>
1: if it, if you'd had someone like Arnie in the lead, or if or if this was one of those horrible WWE films with like Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> in the lead, it would have been incredibly misogynistic. Yeah, and I think that's how they would have played it. But mm. I, like I say, I think he he really did make you sympathise with him. Mm. Um, so yeah. then we get to the finale, yeah,
0: I suppose, which is yeah. where. Um, Howard has. Um, he
1: takes. He manages to get their plastic explosive out of the collars, doesn't he? Yes, and in, they have uh, two su- well, well, suitcases. he
0: gets her to take the explosives out of the collar yeah. um, using. Well, he kind of guides her using a mirror. He can't do it. Yeah. Is he wounded? It, yeah, he gets shot in the hand. That's right. Yeah, so he can't. He can't do perform it, the yeah. thing, and so he instructs her, and she's like, "That's a pretty tense scene as well, mm. even though you know that they're going to get through it."
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. And then they kind of. Um, they have two suitcases full of money. Mm. Actually, before we go on, actually, the thing I like
0: about the disarming of the collars scene, yeah, it's not just lethal weapon cut the red wire. No, no, it's an actual process that has to be done. Yeah, that yeah. he has figured out. Yeah, and, and he, I like yeah, that. he that's talks differently. It. It's not just yeah. is it
1: this one? Is it that one? Yeah, it's do this, do this, yes. do this.
0: Attach and, it to that pin. Mm, please don't touch <laughs> that pin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah. yeah, I think that's really, really cool. Mm. And then um, they get caught by. Stephen Tobloski. Is that his mm. name? Yeah, Tobloski. Yeah, whatever. Um, and Joan Chen. Yes. They, they kind of turn up. In helicopters. In helicopters which yeah. are silent
0: until the moment they <laughs> yeah. come over the ridge, I noticed.
1: Yeah. And um, as they're being caught, Rutger Hauer very quickly chucks one of the uh, pieces of explosive into one of the suitcases because he knows that they're going to want to take it away. Mm. So he just kind of dumps one in there oh we should
0: say that these uh, diamonds previous what were previously diamonds have now yeah. been 10 to 25 million dollars in cash. cash yeah yeah um and then split, he, uh, split into two suitcases yeah
1: uh and Toplovsky takes one gets back in the helicopter joan chen takes one with the intention of stealing the truck that they have and just leaving them mm. there for dead and, and driving through to mexico to live her life mm-hmm. um and rutger Howell manages to pass off the other one into it's like a little wallet isn't it yeah it's got the car keys on or something yes. yeah and um and they kind of they, they and then he just kind of sits back and watches
0: well get, yeah he and rogers just kind of start taking steps backwards yeah, yeah. away from really impending nice. carnage
1: yeah. and and it was oh that's because uh Joan shannon to they they reveal they have a detonator for the collars mm. Uh, So Joan Chen's standing there with this detonator, uh, knowing that she's going to blow the pair of them up, Mm. um, and she just stands there, casually presses the button, and in the background behind her, the helicopter (laughs) with Tabloski just blows up out of the sky. Mm. Um, And then, of course, because that that explosive has been deactivated, hers starts to go off. Mm Uh, and that's one thing that did amuse me, that, that one of those collars managed to blow up a, a massive helicopter in a huge fireball. Mm. The other one that goes off in her hand leaves her pretty unmarked, apart from a few trails <laughs> of blood on her hair. She's dead, <laughs> yeah, but but there's not much in the way of well, damage. You'd think it would well, have completely obliterated. Also, you see earlier on, you see the
0: effects of the collars on the prisoners. Oh, you do. Where two men get their heads blown, blown up, off. Scanners style.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Rogers and R- Howard end up with the, the remaining... million. Cue the synth electric pan
0: pipes. Yeah. And uh, off we go. Yeah. Yeah, the music is bloody
1: horrible in this. Yeah. Who thought but, electric panpipes were a good idea? But you know, it was ninety-one. It's, it's that weird, true. it's that weird transitional period of film music mm. from the eighties to the nineties. Yeah, and it's most of it's appalling between eighty-nine and ninety-two.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. When it's like
1: uh, synths really aren't
0: fashionable anymore. Yeah, uh, uh, to when we get into to when Hans Zimmer.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Started. Yeah, yeah it's, uh,
0: it's Hans Zimmer and Danny Elfman.
1: Yeah, kind of revamp everything. Yeah. And I guess uh, you know, I, you know, things like uh well, Jurassic Park was John Williams, yeah. wasn't it? So that, that kind of mm. then onwards. I'm
0: thinking specifically of action movie scores rather yeah, than just that's film true. scores yeah. in general. Yeah. Um
1: so yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it, but I I'd love to see a, a bigger budget remake. It I should
0: think... go on our list of things to remake when we get famous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um no uh no reviews on Amazon. Right. Uh, but it has titles around the world. Okay. Of varying Levels of logic, shall we say, in Italy, this was under maximum surveillance. In Portugal, collar of death.
1: Mm.
0: In Serbia, collar. In Germany, on escape is death. (laughs) Spain, dangerously states. And then in Turkey, unconscious verve. (laughs) What? I don't know. Maybe (laughs) that means something in Turkey.
1: Sounds like a band. (laughs)
0: Well, <laughs> Richard Ashcroft getting knocked yeah, over the that head. That, yeah, um, it's the best place for him. Yeah, uh, I was going to say something else in the middle here. I'm sure. sure we have. Oh, let's do the final part of our listener question before we move oh, on. Yeah, to yeah, sure, um, okay, yeah. Why well, I don't know why I'm doing that. Instead of now in, forget that. Let's move on to Jack Reacher. <laughs> right, well, <I'm>, okay. <laughs> Hold on, I might do an edit. So Jack Reacher. <laughs> um. Uh, Tom pitched this to me last week. Yeah. Um, I'm all over the place today. It's been a long week. Yeah. We're both very tired. Mm-hmm. Um, As always. Something about a book, something about Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Join to recap. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Yeah.
1: Okay. So uh, Jack Reacher. Because I have
0: a lot to say about this film.
1: Okay. I, I suspect you didn't like it then. Um, I Jack Reacher is obviously based on the books about Jack Reacher. Uh, this one's based particularly on a book called One Shot. Um Basic premise is Jack Reacher is a, a kind of a vagrant. He's an ex-military police officer. Uh, and he kind of, you know, throughout the books, he he ends up in these situations. And because of his training, he can't help himself from getting involved uh, because he kind of spots things that other people won't necessarily. And he does kind of get drawn into these ridiculous plot stories. Um this one is based around a sniper attack in a town, uh, in a city where uh, five people are shot. Is it five people or yes, six? Yes, it's five. It's five in the film, six in the book. Is it six? No, it is five in the book, sorry. Uh, so five people it's are Five shot. people
0: with six bullets.
1: Yeah, five people with six bullets. Uh, five people are shot, and the authorities uh, basically um, go into the crime scene, find all the evidence they need for this uh, ex army sniper called James Barr he says nothing in his defense all he does is write on a piece of paper get Jack Reacher then he gets beaten up and hospitalized and Reacher comes along and says this guy's done it before he must be guilty Um, but then the defense attorney kind of starts talking to him and they decide that they're going to investigate it further uh, to at least see that he gets a fair trial um it kind of evolves from there and it gets more in depth and more complicated and what appears to be a random event is actually a very well-structured assassination of a particular person mm-hmm. um obviously jack uh, tom cruise's jack Reacher is a star uh the biggest upset that most fans of the book have is because he's Jack short has and only 10 inches. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um Rosamund Pike is the defense attorney. Uh Richard Jenkins is her father and the district attorney. Uh David Oliowo is I've discovered its pronounced a Yellowo. A Yellowo, okay. Is um him the and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. What? He's in. Oh, one of, yeah, the he's of course, he's yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, he plays. He plays the cop. Uh, I'm trying uh, to link it back into stuff so, we've done. Sorry, I just he threw me for a minute there. Uh, he he plays the cop in charge of the investigation. Uh You've got Werner Herzog as the Zek, who is effectively the bad guy. Um Jai Courtney as his kind of right hand man. And um Robert Devals Robert as recognise. yeah, as the uh grumpy old uh rifle range owner, mm-hmm. um, so that's pretty much covering it as much. I like it because I like the books, and it's mm-hmm. kind of fun and silly, uh, so what did you think?
0: um we'll say before I start, yeah, I've never read a Jack Reach book, fine, uh, so I don't come in with any of that baggage, yeah, that's fine, um however, yeah, that oh, I don't know how to I don't know how to start. Okay. Um, How about did you like it, yes or no? Um, overall, no, but there right. are things in it I do like. Okay. So let's start with that. Actually, All right. Um, I like the whole opening sequence. Yeah. I like the the assassination is done very very well. Yeah. Um. Uh. And uh. Ayelowo's um. Investigation mm. is also done very well. Yeah, as kind of like it's
1: all—it's almost an extended montage. There's no dialogue mm. in it. Well, I mean that I, I meant what I meant to do, and I didn't get time to do it, is to look in the book to see how many chapters in, or like how many chapters that covers. Right, because that is obviously all quite drawn out in the book, mm-hmm. um, and in interests of condensing it into a movie, they cover it very quickly. But I think, like you say, very effective,
0: very well done. Yeah, um, not. Uh, and actually every time we flash back to the assassin uh, to the shooting uh, that's also well done c- yeah. because there's a there's a section later on where you see it right. as as essentially as reacher is explaining to you how he thinks it was done yes um uh we you, you see it from the victim's side yes. rather than the shooter's side which is what you get to see at the beginning yeah um so stuff like that is done very well mm. um i thought the mystery itself was also very interesting, and it developed in an interesting way. Right. The biggest problem I have with it is Tom Cruise, and not because he's a short-ass. Right. It's because he's Tom Cruise. Right. It's because he's Tom Cruise, super global megastar, and nobody could tell him no. Right. This is not... Right. I had the same problem with this as I had with Taken. Okay. Throughout Taken, for 95% of that film, your hero's in absolutely no trouble whatsoever. Yeah, this is two hours of Tom Cruise as the sexy, cool, hard, unflappable guy yeah. who's also super smart and really witty.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. Pre- that pretty much sums up Jack Reacher. Yeah, there's very there are very few times he's in he's yeah. in real real danger. I don't give a shit about a hero like that. Right, I don't care.
0: Okay. I, 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 my okay, my uh, action movie heroes are people like Jackie Chan, yeah. who's at his best when he's in trouble and trying to get out of it. Right, yeah. Tom Cruise is never in trouble in no. this film. No um and also there is a problem with the character with the actor um being smaller than the character right he does things that a man his size should not be able to do and is talked about as a yeah. bigger person yeah I particularly get it. Yeah, I get there's a bit where um what's the teenage girl's name sandy the girl who comes yes. onto him in the bar yeah uh, who's oh, part the of a bar setup. fight outside yeah yeah well not just that it's not right. the bar fight that's the problem right um she gets killed yeah behind his motel yes he then goes back mm. uh and um a is at the um it sounds like i'm saying danny Ayello. yeah um he's um he's at the desk talking to the receptionist yeah um uh and the receptionist says um uh you want so you're looking for someone who could knock out who could kill a girl with one punch yeah you want eddie what's face in room 1210 or whatever it is yeah and yeah. it becomes clear at that moment that that's the alias that reacher has used, used. yeah second yeah. baseman yeah so um tom cruise does not look like a man who no. could kill kill See, even in, a 19 year old girl with of, one punch
1: if you think of jai courtney mm. his size yeah now he looks like a, a decently built man yeah so in the book the, the and it's go- not him that punches her out no it's not it's the other guy. it's the shorter guy in the book it's the bigger guy who's a bit right. dumb and like he's he's the same size as Reacher, right. effectively. Uh, uh, yeah. So have they just scaled him down as yeah, well? Absolutely. Yeah. So right, that's that's part of the problem is they've and taken. She's not a-
0: killed by a punch. He's killed by being suffocated afterwards.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that doesn't happen in the book. Right. So in the book, he's literally one smack and snap of the neck. Yeah. Um, which yeah. Reacher could do because of the sizes of yes. the books, and you're right. They, what they've done is they've scaled the, the two actors down, but they've left. The, they haven't the, the, scaled. But, yeah, they, I, yeah. I, I put. They've written. Uh, they've written
0: stuff uh, for someone much more physically imposing than Cruise that they haven't bothered to change. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is a Tom Cruise production, so mm. no one else is going to play Reacher other than Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, and that's what hampers the film because right. he has to be. Uh, Super cool, tough guy for two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, and by an hour in, I was really fucking bored of that act.
1: Right. Okay. Fair enough.
0: Um. (laughs) Uh. Interesting fact: the cinematographer is Zoe Deschanel's dad. (laughs) Right. Um. Uh. Well, he's more
1: talented than she is.
0: Yeah, and Emily's better anyway. Um, that's her sister who's in Bones.
1: Oh, I I don't know.
0: Um. I know it's Tom Cruise, yeah. but did the women at both Goodwill, where he picks up his new um, vagrant clothes, oh, yeah. drops off his old ones, yeah. and the woman at Western Union both have to give him the eye?
1: That was that. That's, yeah, that's the first
0: part of producer is leading man. Yeah, itis. That,
1: that's interesting. That those little things aren't because often in the books you see things from Reacher's point of view. He right. doesn't necessarily notice that sort of thing. Mm. Particularly, uh, you know, unless it's someone he's interacting with a lot. Right. So, for example, um, not so much in this film, but in the books, the, the sort of the woman he would end up with or go to bed with or whatever would be it. I mean, it would be Rosamund Pike's character or a, a character of her level right. within the story. And they normally don't bother about him getting the eye from a waitress or a whatever. Right. He doesn't necessarily clock that sort of stuff. Hmm. Um, um, yeah, he's a bit more layered.
0: Yeah, it's, funny, it's it's funny that the book about the hulking brute would be, <laughs> yeah, yeah, would be more, so more it, subtle and layered than the yeah. than the film about the little fella. Yeah. Um, Richard Jenkins, when he first turns up, he's just Basil exposition. His yes, first scene yeah. is nothing but exposition. Yeah. That annoyed me as well. Right, um, really badly slotted in. Yeah, um, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to say I'm going to jump around, but my next note is about jump around. They're playing jump around in a bar in 2013. Does that yeah. still happen? Um, I did wonder if this whole film was set up just so Tom Cruise could audition Rosamund Pike as um, Katie Holmes' replacement material. Well, she's already
1: married. Oh, she was
0: it's five Hollywood. months pregnant when they filmed it. It's Hollywood. That would explain why her bust makes an amazing cameo <laughs> in many yeah. scenes. Did not go unnoticed. No. Um, it takes 45 minutes for Werner Herzog to show up. Yeah. Then he doesn't do a lot.
1: no. I, he's more
0: he's menacing yes. and threatening but there's nowhere near enough of him and i really found it dragged when he wasn't around right he's the most interesting he's, thing in this film
1: he's a really great character i really
0: like i forget how much i like his voice yeah even when he's not acting in, i like the sound of his voice
1: even in even in the books the actual character doesn't appear a whole lot mm. but you get a lot in the way of the others talking about instructions or talking about him right. with a lot of fear Okay. So that that that's what they kind of ended he's up... He's
0: kind of set up as being like a I guess kind of like a, a shadow a presence that yes. he's talked about. So
1: in the book there's a there's a half a dozen like henchmen mm. who all kind of you know, there's there's the hulking brute, there's one who's been with him since you know, since the gulag and all that kind of mm. stuff. And um they've kind of condensed a lot of that into Jai Courtney's character. So okay. he then has no one to talk to or communicate with about Zek. Right, so they kind of lost a whole side of that, and obviously have concentrated more on Tom Cruise because obviously it's Tom Cruise. Yeah, um, so that's a bit of a shame in this, and and you do get more of a menace from from him in the book. I I feel, mm-hmm. but I, like you say, I like Hertzog in this. I think he's one of the best things in it. Yeah, I like him absolutely. and Robert De are two of my favorite things in it. We'll get
0: we'll get to Robert De later. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, it just. Reeks of superstar ego interference. Mm, right. It's like, oh, oh, I think I say something cool here. Someone throw me a line. you know. Yeah. Um, uh, now's not the time for my character to be in trouble.
1: Yeah. Just well, like, a lot of the. Funny enough, a lot of the. Tom witty- Cruise
0: movies are directed by Tom Cruise. Don't oh. be under any.
1: Yeah, well, this was Chris Macquarie, wasn't it? So that's probably the in case. In all the
0: scenes that did not feature Tom Cruise. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think. Um, a lot of the witty lines that you might attribute that to, like for example, the scene. Oh, there was one that drove me fucking crazy. Which, which one? Which is that? when he's. Um, is when he's wh- talking to Sandy in the bar. Yes. Yeah. Most of that is lifted verbatim from the book.
0: Yeah. But the was it the line uh, she says I, I I like the sight of blood or something. Oh, like that's that. right. Yeah. 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 And he says, "Well, at least it means you're not pregnant." Yeah. I was like, "What the fuck?"
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that was borderline offensive. Even <laughs> Absolutely. To me. Yeah, I know. Um. The. That, a lot of that is like you know that that is more taken from the book mm. than than Tom Cruise adding in. Yeah, the okay, fine, fair enough. But yeah,
0: I know what you mean. Yeah, you don't have to use all the zingers. save no, some. That's true. yeah. Um, who directed that car chase? Peter Yates, because <laughs> he throws that thing around. He does. Yeah, isn't Jack Reacher supposed to be a terrible driver?
1: Um, not a terrible driver. Just not like not ma- like he learned to drive in the army, so he drove like Humvees and Jeeps, and so he's not. He's, he did can he drive tanks like we saw in the war game, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, th- I think he's, I think I think one of the lines in the books is that he's a capable driver, but not anything more than that right. Um, but obviously Tom Cruise is an excellent driver and, and likes to show it. yeah and did all of his own stunts. The bit I really like in that car chase is when he bins it into the well, spins it. it into the bins and stalls it, and then they build up a bit of tension because that was an accident as
0: soon as it happened, yeah and the car stalled. My brain went, that wasn't supposed to happen. Now they're going to make something out of it. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't feel it was tension. It just slowed the pace down. Okay, I quite like that bit because it's got a bit of, you know. Yeah, I guess so. I think they made too much of it. That was the problem. Okay. It should have just been, up. oh, shit, start it, and off we go again. Yeah. Not, and then it was like, well, we've got, to see, we've got to have a close-up of him, turn the key, we've got to have a close-up of him, hitting the pedal, yeah. and then we've got to have, go back to the key, and then his worried face, and then he hits the pedal again, and then <laughs> finally it starts, and off he goes. And it's yeah. like, by that time, they'd have caught up to him, because <laughs> they weren't that far behind <laughs> no, when, he, when he stacks it. Yeah. Um, the idea of him hiding in the bus queue, yes. I do like the way he just kind of just steps out, casually steps it's out of the, the car and kind of walks way. away. Yeah. The idea of him hiding in the bus queue is cool and funny. Yeah. I don't believe it for a second. No, but then not everybody would. have...
1: No, that could have been anyone. That's the sort of that's the sort of thing that works really well in the books. Even though, interestingly, even worked,
0: though the character is much bigger. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that, that's one of the things that uh, that's one of the the kind of the paradoxes of Reacher is despite his bulk and size, he blends in. Right. I like he he, he that's Reek
0: sounds to me like an author trying to make a character everything. Um like when it I, it's kinda of like if a kid comes up with a character, it's like oh I'm gonna be the best muscle artist and the yeah, best driver I know what you mean. uh and all the ladies are gonna fancy me, but I can just like sneak in anywhere.
1: Yeah, it's also it, I'm huge. It's really difficult to explain okay. without without kind of it's it's generally quite well done in the books. Okay. In some of them more so than others. Um my next note is all caps. Stop
0: stealing cars you frigging klepto. He needs like four cars in this film.
1: Yeah. He can't stop. No, well that's the thing cuz he has no possessions or anything like mm. that. So again that's that's uh he'll just borrow th- cars or he'll you okay know.
0: So he pinches rosamund Pikes and goes yeah. to see Robert Deval. Yeah. Cuz he's worked out that there's only one place that um they could have practiced. They could have practiced this shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then he turns up to meet Robert Deval with a completely different haircut to every other scene in the film. <laughs> Right. So it was quite obviously shot reshot later I would yeah. think. Um I like uh, Robert Deval having bullet casing
1: earplugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a really nice touch.
0: Uh and then I don't actually have any more notes until we get to the um the quarry the quarry, out. Okay, that's yeah. fair
1: enough. Cuz I mean between those two points mm. you all that really happens is is they they figure out that James Barr was the stool pigeon and Jai Courtney was the sniper. Yeah. Um uh, you know, and that was that was, you know, quite easily figured out by Richard by that point because he's got all of the mm-hmm. the bits he yes. needed. And
0: what, the way all that comes together mm. is very well done. I yeah. like that a lot.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of one of Lee Child's strong points is plotting things so that they kind of all come together, and mm. the elements aren't necessarily signposted too much. No, um, I think, mind you, I mean, if you read some of the early ones, not so much, but. He, that's something he by this point this I can't remember what number book this was it was like 12 mm. by this point he's kind of he's got he's figured out the formula yeah, and yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. what happens in every Tom Cruise movie
1: uh,
0: come on he's known for it what he runs
1: oh right yeah,
0: yeah. one hour 48 minutes 57 seconds yeah. Tom Cruise runs for the first time in Jack Reacher <laughs> um, I then came across another because it's Tom Cruise problem yeah they th- there's the shootout in the quarry, which yeah. is quite well done. So yeah. it's cruises on I the ground. I should point
1: from this point onwards, this is all movie, movie yeah. all movie, no book. Yeah, the book is the ending is is the same plot premise, right? That the guys are holed up in a house, right. And they go in, but there are two characters. Uh, the, the, all the characters involved are in completely different positions. Okay. Uh, and the whole plot is well, the whole kind of sequence is different. Um, because there's a whole character in the book that's ignored in the well, there's two whole characters in the book that are ignored in the in the okay. film. Um, one of those is in peril, and one of them is with Reacher with Gunny, uh, Robert Duvall. Okay. And Rosamund Pike's actually with Rob uh, with Jack Reacher at that point as well. So th- this is the point where it completely diverges away. Yep. But for, for a good word, reason, we have
0: to have a maiden in peril.
1: Oh there is one in the book. Hmm. It's just not
0: her. Okay, fair enough. Um so, cruises on the ground. Yeah. Um he is well he's got a knife uh, which he manages to drop. Yeah. Uh
1: does he have a gun? Does he runs he runs out. No, that's him. the joke is because because basically he rings up Robert DeVal and says come with your rifle and yeah. uh, uh, you know I need, I need to be armed bring mm. me bring me something mm. and he, turns he up, him he knife. brings him a knife and he's like what am I supposed yeah. to do with that? So he's running around uh, he's mostly
0: hiding behind rocks in the quarry yeah. with a knife. Yeah. Uh, and Robert DeVal is sniping from yeah, way up high. Um he ends up with a gun. Yeah, he nabs somebody. He bangs a bloke on the head with a rock, which yeah. is uh, I watched this on Canadian Netflix, right? And in the UK, that's cut out. The shot of him oh, really? being in the guy on the head with the rock is cut out.
1: I think it's on the Blu-ray,
0: or um, or it was, or it's trimmed in some way, right?
1: When uh, I, when I, when I unpack
0: my DVDs, okay,
1: Tom's have in the process in. of
0: moving house. Everybody,
1: yes, um, I will check. I yes. think it's in the Blu-ray, okay.
0: And also, the shot of um, Sandy being snuffed out is. Uh, Oh, really? They- it's, it's trimmed as trimmed well, trimmed yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Trimmed okay. to get a uh, 12A rather than a 15.
1: Oh, okay. The I cinema. think the Blu-ray might be a 15, actually. So maybe they put it back maybe in for put that. It back in, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so anyway, he dings this fella on the head with a rock, mm. takes his gun, runs out of bullets. Well, no, he doesn't run out of bullets. He uh ends up behind Jai Courtney with his um super machine gun.
1: Yeah.
0: And then he drops the gun for no narrative or character reason just because Tom Cruise thinks it would be cool to have a fist fight in the rain. Yeah fuck off
1: <laughs> yeah again that's the point where the book is completely different yeah um
0: how i'll read this verbatim actually how the jesus in hell did reacher make the shot that takes out david o'yellow's character
1: yes i know he's
0: hiding right, right behind it yeah and it's essentially it's only whip, rant, the barrel bang. of his gun that's pointing around her yeah and still we don't see where reacher manages to in shoot him it's somehow. A headshot.
1: Like, 'Cause he's got he's got half of his head exposed and he gets him in the head, I think. Okay. That wasn't Memory particularly clear. No, it's not. It's a bit yeah. Yeah. Um I'm pretty sure Werner
0: Herzog's milky eye mm. change Milky yeah, Lens changes, changes eyes right. throughout the film. Could <laughs> well do. Yeah. Um yeah. and then he gets shot in the face as well. Yeah. So that's it. That's the most interesting part of, of what will be a franchise so far. Yeah. Like he could have been
1: reaches blofeld if you like or whatever he could have been a nemesis for more Well, basically every single book is a completely contained story right okay um
0: the only thing
1: they're
0: going to diverge from that in
1: the movie universe they are well yeah because like i said uh, last time or i've said previously is the fact that i think the, the next planned movie i don't know if it's definitely going ahead i assume it will um is not based on any of the books, which I think is a really smart move. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're going to keep with Tom Cruise, I think that's definitely a smart move. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, each of the books is completely self-contained. Uh, there, I think there's a couple of characters that will recur every now and then, but mm-hmm. not not a whole great okay. deal. And 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 basically, if they do reoccur, it's set in a completely different time frame. So quite sometimes, like there'll be one book where he encounters them after he's been a vagrant for six or seven years, mm. um, and then there'll be another book that's set when he's back in an, as an MP, and you'll right. and you'll meet those characters again when back before previous events. So the, the, you know the timeline of him it jumps about a lot, and there's never anything particularly consistent apart from his character. Okay, if that makes sense,
0: messy. Then yeah, comes the ending. Yeah. Where he's plainclothes clothes Batman. Yeah, where he's spoken about as if he is ba- essentially it's the ending yeah. of a Batman movie. Yeah, I, that, but with an added bus.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't I'm 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 not keen on the way they round it out.
0: No. Um, it just overall it drove me up the wall mostly because right. Tom Cruise had to live out the 10 year old's fantasy of being the, yeah. the cool handsome kick ass yeah. guy for two and a half hours I,
1: I mean I I still I, quite, I don't mind him in it and I do mm. enjoy the movie I, I, I do still have a sneaking suspicion Hugh Jackman would have been better
0: I, do you know what I also I remembered you'd said that and mm. like part way through I started like my brain would insert Hugh Jackman in the same scenes yeah and th- Cause just he, thinking like it would be yeah
1: with his Wolverine Buffness. yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah he would yeah. he would have pulled off the actual physicality of so. Reacher as well, but also he could have added in that kind of you know he, he can act. He he's he not would. just a big yeah. bloke. Yeah, he can act, but yeah. he you know and he can dance could, and he, sing. Yeah, and he can he, he can blend in. Yeah, you know, so I think he would have had that quality. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, it's because it's a Tom Cruise production. Exactly, there is also
0: I felt there is something not right. I can't quite put my finger on. There is something not right with the world in which this takes place.
1: Right.
0: The characters and the dialogue are too heightened for the rest of the world.
1: Yeah. If this now... I know what you mean. I think, uh, again, that's something that's consistent with the books is that is that it is it is modern day, present, you know, it's uh, unless it's a flashback episode. But even then, it's only like as far as the 90s. Mm. It's still, you know, everything is how you would think of it, except these are exceptional circumstances and people but then i guess it's the same with like james bond and all that kind of stuff um but the world around james bond is heightened with him yeah i guess well in the movies
0: definitely yes this might my point here might have something to do with the direction of it right it my thinking was these characters feel like they're from the world of faster
1: okay yeah yeah, so a bit more stylistic and a bit yeah. more, yeah. Okay, because I mean it's kind of directed as a very straight thriller. It is, but there's still there's still quite a lot of hard boiled, not yeah, comp- n- uh,
0: not believable dialogue that goes in there as well. Yeah.
1: So you Particularly- reckon you reckon sort of amp the style of direction up and amp the world up a little bit, and it, yes, you would have felt to come that up to meet it, or you have to. I bring- tell you what does that, mm. uh, which uh, is night and day. Which is uh, like ridiculously stupid, mm. and 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 again, Tom Cruise plays this like super character as mm-hmm. you'd expect, and Cameron Diaz plays the female lead against him. Mm. But but the whole world is kind of amped up, and it is very fun and silly, but it's very tongue in cheek because it kind of knows what it is, and mm-hmm. it's not trying to be serious. So and it's not trying to, you know. And I guess without it, without the comedic element of that, you'd probably get the right tone for this. Okay. Um.
0: Yeah, um, it's fine. It's all right. Some okay. of its are even very good. Yeah. Um, however, it would have been better if Jack Reacher was not Tom Cruise. Yeah. Oh, and I'm not suggesting enough. it has to be a a giant like no, that's Dwayne enough. Johnson, but to, uh, Tom Cruise being in being Tom Cruise in this film spoils it for me.
1: Okay, that's a fair assessment. I think, I um, think there's probably quite a uh, I think that probably a lot of people would agree with you uh,
0: around the world. It's had various titles. Right. Uh, a couple of places called it one shot. Right, okay. Um, uh, Lots of places <laughs> called it Jack Reacher, but phonetically changed to their own language. Right. So imagine Jack Reacher said in, for example, a Polish accent. Right. That's that would be called. what it was called. Right. Yeah. Um In Japan, though, it was outlaw. Mm. In the Philippines, stretch. <laughs> really? <Yes. laughs> Why? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, they wish he Because you have to stretch Tom Cruise to <laughs> make him the size of Jack Reacher. Uh, in Spain, it was under scrutiny. Right. And in Romania, a bullet to the target.
1: Right.
0: We have a review of Jack Reacher. Yeah. David Shand on the Facebook, mm-hmm. specifically on my the Facebook, right. says, Jack Reacher, a perfectly acceptable movie in its own right. It's no classic by any means, but it's an okay way to spend a couple of hours. Oh. You can sit there and let it wash over you and come out the other end no worse for wear and think it's a pretty standard Tom Cruise action movie. You might even say it was enjoyable in a slightly cheesy way. However, all of that does have one proviso. You need to have not have actually read any of the Lee Child, Jack Reacher books beforehand. Mm -hmm. If you have, then this whole thing really falls apart. The whole thing about Jack Reacher, a central part of his character and the way he goes about things, is his physical size. Mm. He's supposed to be 6'5", 260 pound, blonde brute of a guy who mixes his intelligence and experience from the military police with his ability to snap in half anyone who gets in his way. Having the 5 foot 8, I think that's generous, 160 pound Tom Cruise play the role just removes all of that. Cruise can be a decent actor when he wants to be, and of course it's not without precedent to have a physically very different actor play apart from a book. Mm. But in this case, that size really is important for the character. Mm. They can throw in the little nods to the book character for the fans, but the fans are already going to know you just end up with a very different character who is plainly not Jack Reacher. Cruise was criticised... The same way, of course, when he was cast as Lestat in Interview with the Vampire, but he managed to pull that off. He didn't manage it for me with Reacher. There are a lot of Reacher books that can make great movies, but you'd also need to recast the main character to make any of them work. For me, you'd also need to stick closer to the original text. The Hollywoodization of the original one-shot book for the movie weakened the story and made what should have been a really good movie into, as I just said, an acceptable one. Mm. So there we go. I also have reviews from Amazon. Okay. I have some one star and some five star. Okay. We're starting with one star. All right. So we end on a positive note. Okay. Some person just called it Jack Can't Reacher. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. Okay. This is one sentence. No punctuation. Right. (laughs) Lots of typos. (laughs) Tom Cruise is a good actor, but so badly cast for this six-foot part. Why did the people who cast him, when there is so many other actors with height that they could have cast, the story was spoiled by him being short, and with this made the film short of action, In the film being realistic, I thought the f- I bought the film book, having read most Jack Reacher books, and I'm surprised the author, spelt wrong, allowed them to spoil his creation. I hope they don't make any more films of Jack Reacher, that In did they read the book before they made the film, or did someone tell them bits from it in a bar? As I said, I bought the film. Anyone want to buy it? <laughs> Genius, not done. Okay. T. <laughs> right. Just an entirely Just superfluous T, t at right. the end. Brilliant. Um.
1: Yeah. Luke Charles actually in the movie. He. He's, yes. Uh, he's, he's the, the, the death sergeant. sergeant. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. This one is all one sentence. It's also all in caps. So. <clears throat> okay. Well, Tom, not anywhere as good as some of your outstanding movies. In fact, nowhere in sight of them whatsoever. Sorry to say, it suck all the way down my plug hole. <laughs> Half of that is spelt wrong as well. Brilliant. Five star reviews. I love the books, but it was a bit dubious about Tom Cruise playing six foot four inch Reacher. But it was a fab movie. Even my husband thought it was great, and he was watching it under sufferance. <laughs> um, this is the entirety of a five star review. Mm. This DVD isn't actually for me, it's for a friend's Christmas present, but it's the sort of film they watch. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. And then finally, um, again, the entirety of a five star review. Arrived in the time window, watched and enjoyed. Wife liked Tom Cruise, and I liked the lady whose name I forgot, but at 72, I can't remember everything. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yes. third part of our listener question. Yes. We've already done a remake, Yeah. and we have done a comic book movie. Yeah. Oh,
1: shit, I've got something else to read out.
0: Or did I do that last week? What's that? I'm so confused. Give me a second.
1: Was it the comic book movie?
0: It is, but I'm confusing myself. Hold on. Because
1: uh, we read one out about Bone.
0: And We Three. We Three, yeah. Um, Oh, shit, which reminds me. Hold on. There's so much going on. I've got so much to read out, and I've got like four different apps to do what, it in on my. What,
1: while you're looking at it, do you want me to talk about what I would do as a...
0: Oh, yes. Oh, sorry, the third part is yeah. um, Saturday morning cartoon slash toy franchise. Yes. Web Go.
1: Okay, so I've thought of three before we even left the room right last off time. the bat yeah. um one they tried to develop a movie of and i've read the script for it and it was actually pretty good but they ended up doing another animated series of it and that was thundercats
0: i've got that script somewhere yeah
1: well. um actually they kind of rework it and it was actually really quite interesting um i think it would be it would be tricky to pull off because it's such a weird kind of concept but i think you probably could do it and there's people around uh, there's a fantastic fan-made trailer Mm-hmm. Um, which features, I think it's Brad Pitt as Lion-O. Okay. Have you never seen it? No. It is it is a triumph of home visual effects. Okay. Uh, it's seriously really good. They use elements of Troy and a load of other stuff. Okay. Uh, and we'll try. I'll try and find a link to it because it's really cleverly. It's really well done. Okay. Um, so that would be one option. And then there are two others. Uh, one I would definitely go for. And one is a bit more obscure. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one that I would love personally love to do was my favourite toy range and cartoon. Mm-hmm. So basically, when I was growing up, there were two things. There were there were kind of I kind of I suppose in the eighties we kind of hit that peak of marketing cartoons and toys. Yes. So Transformers, um, Thundercats. Yeah. Uh, later on, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um all that kind of stuff but the one that i used to i, I had hundreds of toys of mm-hmm. was mask mm-hmm. um not jim carrey's the mask which came later and not the film starring eric stoltz no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> um uh, it mobile was armored strike command, command. yes Fuck um, me,
0: how do i remember that i know and i used to vicious lo- evil network of mayhem I, I
1: used to love that and i still think i've got some of the toys somewhere <laughs> um it's uh the ba- the basic premise of it was there was a billionaire called matt tracker and he and his friends in in their spare time fought crime under this guise of mask and what stood them apart was they would have they actually wore these kind of looked like jumpsuits mm. um, and they had what were helmets they were helmets masks, but yeah. they were called masks and each of the masks had a Power or a capability mm. that they could use. So Matt Tracker's was called Spectrum, which gave him yeah. But it could do lots of things. It could do it? lots yeah. of things, and it you know he could he could use it to see through things, or he could use it to look at things. Um, there was another guy. There was another guy called Buddy Hawks who was the mechanic, and he had a mask dubiously called Penetrator, uh, which <laughs> <laughs> which allowed him to walk through things. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, another guy called Dusty Hayes. Uh, who drove? Who thing. drove a jeep? Yep. Uh, and he had one called Whiplash, which uh, was it Whiplash? Or maybe it wasn't. I remember Alex Sector, who had Jackrabbit, that could make him jump really high. That's right. He was, the, yes. was he English? He was bald and had a beard. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And he drove the the truck, uh, Rhino. So basically, all yes, of their and cars. And there was Bruce
0: Sato, the, uh, the token Japanese guy. Yeah. And he yep. he he flew a. Um, no, he didn't. But Alex Sector came with the Boulder Hill set. Fucking hell. We should just do a whole mask podcast. I know. No, so basically. Because this is on my list as well. I also right, came up with I three things this. and this is on yeah. my list as okay, well.
1: Okay, so um yeah, there was Boulder Hill was their their lair, which was basically a gas station uh, which in, transformed in a into a
0: ridiculous gun emplacement. Yeah, or and it was in a it? mountain
1: and they had all these vehicles and the vehicles were dual purpose. Yes. So um there was a guy called Brad Turner who was in a rock band mm-hmm. as his day job, and then uh, he rode a motorbike called Condor, which turned into a helicopter little mini helicopter yep. yeah I had that I, toy I had that toy yeah. as well and um, yeah so they all had these vehicles that turned into something else which nowadays would be so easy to do with CGI yeah um, so and, and you know they fought this group of supervillains called Venom who also had masks and had vehicles that turned mm-hmm. from one thing to another yeah um, yeah, so and I used to love it, and I've I I have DVDs of all of the cartoons, mm-hmm. including
0: uh, Mask the Movie and Mask the Movie 2.
1: I think I've got those on VHS. Mm. I don't I had, think I they're in the DVDs. I, I don't think VHS. they're in the DVD mm. uh, set that I've got. Um, yeah, I absolutely loved those toys mm. as a kid. I think. Uh, they were really well manufactured, like they're really well yeah, made. oh they're
0: really solid chunks of plastic, yeah and even the even the, the human and, yeah, yeah,
1: and you know you've got your little man and his mask, and you could do so much with mm. them, and it was you know, I used to love playing with those, uh, so that would probably be my my old first ultimate choice mm-hmm. um and then on a par, I'd probably put thundercats mm. uh which I also had a load of toys for i had the, I had the thunder tank and I had mm-hmm. lino uh I think I had monkey in as well mm-hmm. um. And then there's one that was that wasn't. Uh, I think it only lasted one season. Mm. Do I, and I think I've got all of these on mm. DVD as well. It was a cartoon called Pole Position. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. Had a fantastic theme tune. That's where what's the backings, going around in my head. At where the, moment. the backing singers sing out of tune. Do they really? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll again. I, I will find. <laughs> I will find. YouTube. I, I know. I think Summer Mask is on YouTube in its entirety. I will mm. find links okay. and we shall we'll, we'll link do some, some of these we'll do some cartoons. Links. Um, And I'll find Pole Position as well. Um, So the basic premise of Pole Position were there was a family that ran a stunt team. The parents died, although you never see this. Mm. And there are two kind of, I guess, teen, early 20s. There's a guy and a girl whose names I can't remember. uh, And they had a car each and the cars could talk. Of course. Uh, And then they had a younger brother. Or was it a sister? They had a younger kid and this weird little thing called Kuma, which wasn't quite a raccoon. uh, but Wasn't was... quite a raccoon? <laughs> yeah, it was some sort of... <laughs> Sorry, do me a second to work out what you'd said. It was some, some... sort of weird robot possum. No, it wasn't no, not a robot. robot. Rodent was the rodent, word I was Yeah, about. it was rodent some kind of cat-like thing. possum, rodent, raccoon thing uh, that had a personality and would get into trouble. I think they had a daughter, a sister, a little sister, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and they would get into scrapes, uh, but the cars could do all sorts of things. So the cars could also fly, they could turn into hydrofoils. You'll notice that a lot of things I liked as a kid were vehicles that turned into something else. Yeah, well, like I masked, was a Transformers, Transformers kid, that was my yeah. major toy. I loved Transformers as well. Um, but obviously, because there's a huge movie franchise based on that currently, I didn't, uh, I didn't I go... I would like to reset yeah. that, though. Well, well, they kind of are with this new one.
0: Yeah, but I want G1 toy designs. Robot yeah, that I want proper. I want proper square Optimus Prime. Yeah. Although, I, actually, I quite like the the
1: the, the bay design. Truck, yeah. yeah, the Peterbilt yeah. as opposed to the Mac. Yeah, yeah. I, I know TV
0: series. Hold uh, on, I'm going to get some names for
1: I, you. I, I I remember the the most recent trailer for uh, the fourth movie came out soon, mm. and um, someone I can't remember who was was just kind of deriding, it, and I was just sitting there thinking, yeah, but. Think about the. like they were, they were complaining about the Dinobots being in it. Mm. And I was just like, think about the sentence Optimus Prime riding a robot dinosaur. What part of that isn't awesome? But, and but he's, <laughs> also, <laughs> he's also carrying a sword and shield exa- in the. Oh, well, yeah, we that. had that in the cartoon. Yeah. And so, you know, and I was just like, it's Transformers, get over it. Okay, your
0: um, pole position characters yeah. are Tess Darrett. Yes. Dan Darrett. Yes. Daisy, uh, Daisy Darrett. And Kumar. and Roadie uh, and, and, Z- and Zachary Darrett as well.
1: Zachary. Oh, he's, he's the, the uncle. He's, he's
0: the uncle in a wheelchair. That's and the right. the cars are Wheels and Rody That's right, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Wheels was Wheels like... was voiced by Melvin Franklin, who was a member of the singing group The Temptations. Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I didn't know that. Wheels yeah. was um Wheels was a mid sixty like sixty four Mustang. Uh
0: sixty five Mustang. Sixty five Mustang, oh, yep. not
1: far off. And uh Wheels uh Roadie was kinda of, kind of a wedge shaped futuristic supercar. It says, a, supercar. It says a, a
0: blue coupe. Uh this okay, it originally aired between in the US, I guess, between right. September and December nineteen eighty four. There are only thirteen episodes.
1: And I have all of those on DVD.
0: There we go. Um Yeah, yeah I my selection were uh, Mask as well Yeah. Um, and overall that's probably the one i go for but because you've picked it right. and we get a movie each I'm going to make something else. Okay. My other is not a Saturday morning cartoon
1: oh, I-, I bet I would like to state I did not see any of these cartoons Saturday mornings because I didn't get up Saturday mornings.
0: I got up for the cartoons on Saturday yeah, mornings I, No
1: I didn't. Sleep was too important. So. Yeah,
0: You still don't get up on Saturday mornings now No um, the Three things popped pops into my mind when We talked about this, uh, were Mask, which you can have as fine. Yeah. Um, my favorite animated series, mm. which I didn't see as a kid, I saw later on, and I'm actually working my way through again. I right. uh, thought I'd seen all of them, but I'm discovering episodes that I haven't, right? Um, Samurai Jack, right? But I wouldn't want to make that because I wouldn't want to be the one to fuck I up thought such that a was perfect quite recent. It is recent, right, okay. it, uh, it's 2001 to 2003, I think. There's four oh, seasons. Right, okay. on it. Uh, sixty episodes,
1: maybe. Right,
0: something like that. Um, and watching it again, it's absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Everything about it—the design, the characterization, the voice work, um, the action—just absolutely everything about it is brilliant. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and like I said, I found episodes I hadn't, I'd missed when I saw them on TV because I've got all, I imported all the DVDs from the US. Right um but yeah i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to be the one to screw that up no so I'd, I'd get the money but then i'd ring up uh Gendi tartakovsky who created it and went you can make this <laughs> yeah, yeah go go for it and yeah. i've no idea who i cast as jack Aku, would you do the,
1: it live action or would you do it as, well i uh, kind the of the point start. of these
0: is to make them live action i think okay fair enough um uh i don't know who i cast as jack hugh jackman would tom make cruise? a good samurai jack actually what <laughs> tom cruise yeah tom cruise um Aku who's the villain would still have to be um a CG creation I think. Right. And he'd have to be voiced by the guy who voices him in the show Mako. Right. You know him? He's a Japanese American actor. I think have you seen um Battle Creek Brawl? Jackie Chan's no, first I haven't. American I movie. Haven't. Oh, he's, he's uh, Jackie Chan's the name mentor rings a in bell. that. Yeah, he's just known as Mako, M A K O. Right. He's got this incredible voice and a brilliant evil laugh. Okay. And it's like it's so linked to that character he'd have to be. Yeah. Um
1: I've just thought of another one, actually, Mm. which wouldn't work. But go on, carry on.
0: Um, But So I'm not doing mask. You've Got It. I'm not doing Samurai Jacks. I don't want to screw it up. Yeah. I want to make Centurions. What was that? Did you ever see that? No. Okay. There's three dudes. Yeah. Max Ray. Yeah. Jake Rockwell and Ace McLeod. Right. Unfortunate name. Yeah. Um, And they each kind of have a suit on. Yeah. um, To which... They can by shout uh, seemingly by just shouting power extreme right uh things fly down and clip onto them uh-huh. uh so ace is the air guy, so he gets a jet pack
1: right.
0: uh and uh air to air missiles and yeah. fins on his feet and then he can then fly and he's air combat right uh Jake Rockwell is the ground attack, so he mm. gets um what does he get hold on let me let me look it up tank tracks um <laughs> uh no he um tank tracks maybe in one episode maybe Uh, he gets so he gets the heavy firepower stuff right um, and apparently he gets a helicopter in one episode which is Mm. weird Uh, and then Max Ray is the sea guy so he gets all the underwater missions he gets like I don't know uh, Scuba Gear yeah yeah, (laughs) Scuba Gear but better than Scuba Gear Um, no I've never heard of that
1: I've thought of another one
0: I haven't seen seen it for ages and that's about all I can remember about it yeah Um, it's just the the cool suits and the the bits that kind of clamped onto them. I think yeah. again could be done pretty
1: well. Yeah. Well, you think how they did all the Iron Man stuff. Yeah. I it, mean, you essentially think essentially it it's three. It's three Iron Men each yeah. with a speciality. Well, I think it was someone was saying in in Iron Man three, the only thing that Robert Downey Jr. ever wore of the Iron Man suit was um, a thing around his head and a shoulder pad, and that was it. The rest of it was completely CGI. Wow. You haven't um, seen Gravity yet, have you? No, I haven't. There's bits, there's shots in that face
0: where Sandra Bullock is full body. Yeah. The only real thing is her face. Wow. Like, they've put in everything, everything else, else around uh, it. Yeah, replaced everything yeah. else around it. No. I read a brilliant article on, like, the behind the scenes of that recently.
1: Yeah. The two the two that I just suddenly thought of, one wouldn't work. One would be quite interesting. Okay. Uh, around the World with 80 Days with really Fogg. Yes. But you can't have, you can't a, have a, a lion.
0: Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's the <laughs> trouble. The
1: whole thing that makes that cartoon work is the fact that everyone's an animal, but that wouldn't work if you made it live action, and then it would just become a bad Steve Coogan movie. Oh, um, wow. And then... Uh, Although, wait, there
0: is one brilliant scene in that. Right. I uh, haven't seen it. Have you yet, seen it? No. Because it's Steve Coogan and Jackie Chan. Yeah. 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 There is a bit where Chan has a fight in a um, like a French painter's studio right and as the fight goes on he ends up with paint all over bits of him and ends yeah. up whacking the canvas and at right. the end of it they pull back to white and he's done this brilliant painting <laughs> nice uh but it's all things like boot prints and handprints and elbows and heads right. and stuff like, has made this uh, has made like a landscape with a sun and a house and all <laughs> nice rest. um i'll see if i can find that on youtube yeah.
1: uh it's really funny um, the other one i thought was ulysses 31
0: oh god yes
1: how brilliant would that be? I found
0: a playlist of that on YouTube and actually started watching it. That's yeah. got an awesome theme tune as well.
1: Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. But no, that was, that was one of those the things that I always thought was... It was kind of slightly sinister. And I, like, yeah, I was probably a bit... there's some y- weird stuff in I there. I was probably a bit young for it. And I just had it on because it was a cartoon. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that... And then there was another one I thought of then as well. What was the thing... Um, what do you think? What was... And what was the thing not... They, Oh crap! What was it called? There was there were two cartoons that I always get confused. Mm -hmm. Battle of the Planets, yeah, which is the one where they've got the wings and they've got like feathered suits and stuff, isn't there? Yeah, and then 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 there was there was another one that had stuff like had spaceships and it was like another family team oh it's the same thing
0: it was just called two different things oh it's a japanese show called science ninja gatchaman that got turned into g-force and battle of the planets which are the same thing but it was shown twice in the uk under both names
1: right okay so i'm thinking of one of those
0: yes that um i have read a script for one of those right i've also read a script for voltron I never saw that. Which is uh, metal lions that combine and transform into a giant robot. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, each piloted by a member of a family. Yeah. Um, I've su- just remembered the Bionic Six. No, I don't know that. That was that was uh, that was a family who all, for some reason, had had some horrific deformity <laughs> right. and had a bit replaced. So a guy, like a guy would have a bionic arm, one would have a leg, one right. would have an eye, all the rest okay. of it. It was. It was the yeah. $6 million man times six. Right, okay. It was a family of five and then one adopted black guy <laughs> to make up the numbers and racial diversity.
1: Brilliant. Oh, I just thought, what the um, oh, damn, I've forgotten it again.
0: Before you say it, yeah, go on. I'm going to read you Pete Hammond's email. Okay. Because Pete Hammond loves to email. Yeah. I'll do it. Has he right? thought of
1: something that we haven't? He has. Okay, because it might be the thing I've just thought of that I now can't remember.
0: He says... I'd make Transformers. Just screw up some wire coat hangers, wrap them in tinfoil and kick them down some stairs. How hard can it be? Chuck in some casual racism and leering at young girls. $250 million, (laughs) please. Failing that, I'd make a movie of Jason the Wild Warriors.
1: Right, again, never saw it. I know of it, but I never saw it.
0: To be honest, I was fairly sure I'd dreamed this cartoon while concussed, but no, it (laughs) did exist. I first became aware of it when I was about nine, in the mid-80s, on my aunt and uncle's cable TV in Coventry. I was transfixed. And who wouldn't be? A cartoon that was blatantly chasing the Transformers dollar in look and sound. It seemed to be based on the exploits of a band of humans driving big tanks with chainsaws and circular saws fighting what appears to be a band of tank <laughs> slash
1: <laughs> tanks. <laughs> oh, no. He hasn't done it again, has he? Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, I hadn't God. read this in advance. <laughs> All right. uh, oh, dear. Uh, this could take a fighting while. Fighting what... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> fighting what appears to be a band of tank... <laughs> See, he's gone... Tank slash cabbage hybrids. <laughs> uh, sorry, tank slash cabbage hybrid monsters. Right, and if that isn't the basis of a frankly amazing Hollywood blockbuster, then I don't know what it is. Uh, he's put a wiki link.
1: Right.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, a movie was originally planned, but they didn't sell enough toys to justify funding it, which leaves the door wide open for a visionary director <laughs> for a visionary director and a ton of ketamine. Um, he then goes on to explain Pete Thor Hammond. Right. I was born in a tremendous thunderstorm and as such my mother, presumably still high on gas and air, decided I was to be christened Thor. Luckily my father not to be uh, told her not to be so silly and I was called Pete instead. Thor would have made school even more of a nightmare than it was, but would be oddly appropriate now. <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, Jason the World Warriors.
1: Yeah. Uh, may, I shall
0: may... I shall open the link and refresh your memory. This section's going pretty long, isn't it? Is, it is, yeah. Okay. Uh Maybe maybe we should do uh maybe we should Jesus Christ, it was developed by J. Michael Strasinski.
1: Who did what, what who else? is the
0: guy behind Babylon Five oh, right. and uh, a whole host of like sci fi and comic books and oh, all kinds of things. Okay. Maybe, maybe
1: maybe we should do like a uh childhood uh cartoon special and even if it's stuff we've seen, because I've got all of Pole Position, I've got all of Mask, I've got all of Thundercats. Mm. We could we could just do... We I've could got just, all of Transformers somewhere. Yeah, I've got I end up with I, them for free, and yeah, I don't particularly here.
0: like the cartoon.
1: I, I, really, I love the cartoon. No, I've, I've got, got all of Transformers the, I, as well. We talked about it like before. The I read the UK comics, which yeah. had a
0: much more interesting mythology behind them. Right, okay.
1: Yeah, um, so I've got all of those. Uh, we, we should do we should do a revisit and see if they're as good as they were. When, Maybe we should. Yeah. Um, Quickly, Jason the Wheeled Warriors is a
0: French-slash-North American animated TV show which was first broadcast in 1985. Uh, the show featured two dueling forces Sorry. and men who kick their microphone stands. The heroes are humans called the Lightning League. They drive white and silver vehicles with assorted weaponry and are led by a teenager named Jace, hence Jason the Wheeled Warriors. Mm-hmm. The villains are organic plus but plant-based creatures called the Monster Minds. They travel via large green organic vines. I remember that. Which can grow in and across interstellar space and sprout seeds that grow rapidly into further monster mines. They are led by Sawboss. Right. So yeah, it's techno. It's technology versus nature. Right. Um. And the good guys are technology. technology. So I guess it's Americans
1: talking about deforestation. <laughs> anyway, no, it's not Captain Planet. Oh God.
0: No, this is the opposite of Captain Planet. It's cut down yeah. the cut down the oh right yeah so cabbages. Cut down the
1: cabbages yeah. Um, um, we, ha- we haven't even talked about uh, Defenders of the Earth. Oh Jesus.
0: That was um, that was a DC superhero supergroup. Yeah, um, of superheroes, of the leftovers. <laughs> yeah, really. Phantom was the only one who broke out. There was a Phantom movie yeah, starring Billy tr- Zane as tr- Phantom. Oh, God, have you ever watched that? No. Wow. Slam evil.
1: Mm, it's bad.
0: Oh, good. I do love a good bad movie. Like really bad. Um, Pictures. Yes, I think that's where we are. I've probably yes. forgotten to read something out. No, we have got pitches to Let's just uh, let's carry on, and yeah. everything we'll mop up next time. Yeah, around. okay. Do you want to go first? Because yes, my throat uh, hurts.
1: No, that's fine.
0: Uh, pitches. So I might leave you to do your pitch just into the microphone while I go and get a glass <laughs> of water.
1: <laughs> fine. Um, well, should we? Should we kind of do what this? What we're going to do as a special next week, effectively. Okay do you want to should we preempt that and explain what we're going to do you can preempt because I've just been talking yeah, for no, about half fine. an hour yeah no that's fine I just want to make sure you want to do that yeah. so we're going to do I'll uh, just raise my thumb okay fine so we're going to do what is effectively uh, a music documentary special um i'm going to pitch Kieran uh, Dave Grohl's recent documentary called Sound City um
0: which I rather conveniently recorded from BBC4 yes. the other week
1: yes um it's a look at there basically there was a recording studio in california called sound city it was um a bit of a kind of an unusual place uh, there were some classic albums recorded there including nevermind by nirvana which is the dave grohl connection mm-hmm. um it was kind of a weird place but it had this this uh very particular desk mixing desk that was used to record everything that was there. Um, And basically, Dave Grohl wanted to tell the story of that desk. um, And it kind of then became the story of the facility itself. And then it kind of evolved again. Um, So what you get is kind of a little potted history of of the actual uh, studios and how this desk kind of fits in with everything that was recorded there. Um what's really weird is that the the music that was recorded there is reasonably diverse in in its uh genre, mm-hmm. but when you listen to it, there's something about it that that makes it feel similar okay um a lot of people put it down to the way the drums are recorded um and apparently basically the the, the main recording room. Is this huge rectangular room with you know just a, literally a square room mm. and if you know anything about recording studios is flat surfaces opposite each other are a bad or idea a bad idea because it reverberates and it bounces sound around in completely the wrong way. if you're d- designing a room to record drums in, having a big open room like that is an even worse idea, but what's really, really weird is there's a sweet spot in that room. If you set a drum kit up in this perfect place, the acoustics work, and no one's been able to recreate them. It's just like a, it's just an anomaly where, like, putting this musical instrument in this place should not sound as good as it does mm-hmm. and that's something you kind of notice there's something about the drum tracks about the, the, the f- across these albums mm. you know whether it's Fleetwood Mac or Paul McCartney or the Foo Fighters or, or Nirvana or uh, um, a punk band called Fear or whoever there's just something that feels the same and they interview loads of people uh, from those bands about what it was like to be there and it kind of the film kind of what you think would reach its climax when Basically, Sound City closes down. Uh, but Dave Grohl buys the desk mm-hmm. and has it installed in his studio. And he then invites people from those acts to come and record with him and the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. So the first half is the history and, and the information about the desk and about the albums and stuff that was recorded there. And then the second half is a series of performances. And it's, and it's not like them going in and playing a song it's them going in and just jamming and writing a song there on the spot and making mm. an album and you know so you've got them with Stevie Nicks you've got uh, Paul McCartney uh, you've got I remember the Paul McCartney song got released as a single I remember they released it, it, yeah. an album of yeah, all yeah. of yeah. this stuff Yeah, I've that, only uh, heard the McCartney one of, yeah, yeah and that, that that won an Emmy I think mm. uh, that particular song and it's it's just fantastic watching these guys uh, jam and kind of create something together and play together and you know really kind of just musicians having fun so it's kind of a documentary of two halves but it's really great i think it's really interesting and formative and um it's a neat little di- uh, directorial debut in the feature length format for dave Grohl. cool um i yeah i've been interested
0: since i heard about it because i'm a big fan of dave Grohl and everything yes. he does yeah. uh, i'm a big nirvana fan foo Fighters are one of my favorite bands yeah um uh, I think he's got great potential as a, as a comedic actor. Very much so. Uh, particularly if you watch the Foo Fighters videos, yeah. he's always yeah. just and he directed funny. a bunch of those. as he well. He did oh loads of them. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, the only movie I've seen him in uh, is the Muppets movie, where he doesn't where he just plays a drummer. He plays animals replacement. He's in the Tenacious D movie as well, but not enough. Uh, um, yeah, he. I always felt he could be yeah good absolutely. at that kind of thing. Yeah. He could probably direct fiction films if he wants to as well. He's one of yeah. those people that's annoyingly good at everything. Yeah. Yeah, t- And he seems like a pretty nice bloke as Absolutely. well. Absolutely,
1: that definitely comes across in his... My, one of my favourite bits in this whole movie mm. is you're watching him jam with Pat Smear, Chris Novoselic, and... Um, I think it's Novoselic. Novoselic, or whoever it is. <laughs> Novoselic, I don't know. Uh, so Grohl's playing drums... Mm pat smear's playing guitar Mm. chris is playing bass and and paul mccartney's there as well and he just his voiceover Mm. and all of them acting like little kids around (laughs) like their idol it's just (laughs) it's brilliant because you know obviously you know we're of a generation where we would look up to and you know love the work of Save but mm. watching him geek out on all of the people that he yeah, looked yeah. At is just fantastic yeah and he's he's so open about like he's not trying to play it cool or anything like that mm. um it's really really great and you know just watching him with, interact with stevie nicks and all this kind of stuff it's really really cool so um yeah it's a fas- fascinating documentary i really really liked it cool excellent i'm looking forward to it um
0: for you i have uh the second part of this double bill uh, is a movie that was released to great acclaim a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and we both expressed interest in wanting to see. Yeah. Never got around to seeing it. Nope. It appeared on UK Netflix. I was going to go and watch it. Disappeared after about two weeks. Yeah. It appeared on US Netflix. Brilliant. I'm going to watch it. it. Disappeared before I got a chance to. Yeah. Digging through Canadian Netflix yeah. uh, a week or so ago, yeah. I found Searching for Sugar Man. Yes. Um, I watched it, really enjoyed it, wrote almost no notes about it. Okay. So the basic is... Um, you, we start out in Cape Town mm. and there's a man driving around a winding mountain road singing along to this song Sugar Man mm. and he explains uh, that uh, Sugarman was his nickname in the South African army. Right. Uh, his surname is Sigerman, Uh and he was always called Sugar and then that morphed into Sugar Man right. um, because this album he's listening to was absolutely huge in South Africa mm. in the 70s and 80s i can't remember exactly when it arrived um yeah. um but um nobody knew anything about the singer it's a man mm. called rodriguez all they had to go on was his picture on the um on the album cover yeah um the album was almost adopted um as a series of anti apartheid anthems mm. well, it was the f- it was it's presented in this film as kind of the, the fuel for the anti apartheid movement. Right. Was this like if you went into any South African home home in the seventies and eighties, you would find a copy of this album. Right. Um and everybody's got a different story about how, how Rodriguez died. Mm. Um there are three different elaborate suicide stories yeah. in this movie. Um only he's not dead. Mm. Um and what you get This is very difficult to do without really having any notes. um, Is what you get is not the truth; you get the retelling of a legend, right? Um, Because uh, the music was banned on South African radio, right? Or some of it was at least. Like they show, they go to a a radio, they go to an, uh, they go to a censors archive, which has got everything that was censored by the South African government, right? Uh, And the woman like picks through it pulls the record out of the sleeve and the track the way of censoring it was they just got a sharp knife and they uh scratched out the track that they didn't want played on the radio gotcha so yeah rodriguez is still alive these people find out that he's still alive and bring Mm -hmm. him to south africa for a concert right um so you what you're on what you're getting is not the search no it's the retelling of the search and what happens after the search and there's you on you get two different things a country who know nothing about one of their biggest selling musical acts mm. and that musical act who has no idea how massive he is on the other side of the world who right. amounted to absolutely nothing in his home country yeah um at one point somebody is asked i think it's the producer of the record because the other thing is the people who produced he only made two albums yeah um and the people who produced those albums um compare them like would say, they they all say he was one of the best people they ever worked with, mm. and the music was some of the best they ever produced. So like they're like this, yeah. would, he would go in my top ten musical acts. This would go in my top ten albums I ever worked on. Right. He would be. Imagine if Bob Dylan could sing. Right. Okay. The sings are Dylan esque. Yeah. And kind of uh, very much of that style. Little bit political. Little bit protesty. a yeah. Little bit druggy. Right. Um, but he's got a really good voice as well, okay. which Bob Dylan absolutely does no, not have. He might be able Dylan. to write, but he cannot sing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Bob the, Dylan's the, songs are always best when done by other absolutely, people. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rodriguez was the whole package. Right. Uh, one of the producers is asked, how many copies do you think he sold in the US? And he goes, yeah. five. I think my wife bought one. <laughs> right, he These albums that were supposed to be these amazing pieces yeah. of work did absolutely nothing. Sad. Yeah. Um. And this thing of him not knowing his own popularity is almost unthinkable in this current mm. age of like Absolutely. instant internet global yeah. popularity.
1: Yeah. That's um, I think that's what intrigued me about it when I saw the trailer and heard heard stuff about it. It was it was just the weird kind of mystery about it all. Yeah. Almost like a kind of a a thriller rather than a, like about the music. It was more about how did that happen and yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of what intrigues me. Yes. Um and that's about
0: it really. Um cool i've met the bloke yeah uh when the film came out in this country uh our company handled the uh the filming of the the press interviews yeah uh, and i essentially taught him how to do uh taught rodriguez how to do two camera interviews because he'd never done them really done them before brilliant uh and that was fun uh he's a really he's a very nice very humble man and you see kind of how he lives today you see um so you get the legend and you get the reality. Right. Uh, and you also get to meet his family mm-hmm. and all kinds of things. And there's footage from uh, what happens um, when, he finds out, when he finds out how big he is in South Africa yeah. and what happens when South Africa finds out he's going to be coming to see them.
1: Right. Yeah, that it sounds really cool.
0: Uh, it yeah. is really cool. I'm doing a very bad job of selling no, it. No, it's like fine. I, said, we'll cover I watched it, next it a week. couple of weeks ago and I really didn't write much about yeah. it. Uh, I might try and watch it again before yeah, we okay. do it.
1: Well, what I was going to suggest was, I know uh, a couple of weeks back, I mentioned a couple of other music documentaries that, I, uh, that I'd that i watched yes. that I wasn't going to outright pitch. But if you have time to watch them, it would be nice if we could turn our musical documentaries uh TUFA. far into a mini music festival um <laughs> uh, we'll have to work out who gets headline billing but um yeah. so the other two that i watched were jason becker not dead yet about the uh really promising shed shred guitarist uh who gets lou garrig's disease and basically is paralyzed uh from the face down um from the face down yeah all he can move is his eyes mm. pretty much um uh, and then the other one I watched was uh, Beware of Mr. Baker, which is a an insight into the jazz and rock drumming legend Ginger Baker, who is bona fide mental.
0: Um, Lots of people with the surname Baker are mental. I'm thinking of Tom Baker.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Who I've had one run in. With. <laughs> right, yeah, I can imagine. Um,
0: it was okay. I'll tell the story. Leicester Square. Yeah. hammering down with rain. Yeah. I ducked into an ordering, yeah. and this big bloke kind of bumbled in next to me. Yeah. His phone rang. He answered. Booming voice. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes, it's fucking pissing down! <laughs> Tom
1: Baker. Brilliant.
0: <laughs> Just spat all over my iPad. Doing that. <laughs> nice. Sorry, carry on. Um, yeah,
1: so if you happen to have a chance to watch them, that would be fantastic, okay. because we can cover those as I'll well. I'll see if I can. I'd really like to
0: watch both of them, so yeah. I'll see if I can try and... I might just queue it up and have music documentary. Yeah, because I just they're we quite short. About. I
1: mean, they're like ninety minutes, yeah. seventy to ninety minutes each. They're not massively long, um, but it would be quite good fun to kind of just do like a a little uh, music festival of our own. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of uh, uh, yeah, they're two kind of interesting, different styles of documentary as well. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So it would be it would be good to kind of cover them all. But if you don't, no worries. We've got two. Sounding like fantastic movies to cover next week. So.
0: Excellent. Good. So, everybody go out and watch music documentaries. Yes. While you're doing that, also think about this. I have a new listener question. Right. You have almighty power. Right. Over Hollywood. Yeah. You can pick one director. Yeah. And you can delete their entire back catalogue. Right. But it's everything. You don't get to keep the good stuff. Everything goes. Okay. Who do you choose and why? Right. Uwe Boll is not allowed <laughs> right okay because he's the easy pick <laughs> yeah so ponder that
1: okay hmm.
0: and when you finish pondering that yes you can tell us on Twitter mm-hmm. at HYS podcast that's a good segue not bad All right facebook uh, we're on facebook facebook.com slash have you seen podcast the website is have you seen net and the email is podcast at have as we keep mentioning, we also have a YouTube channel, which we're doing yeah. very badly at uploading videos oh, to, know. because we are insanely busy right now, Yes, uh, both at work and not at work, mm-hmm. um, but you can subscribe to that, and I recommend you do, Yeah, youtube.com slash user slash HYSPodcast. Mm-hmm. One day that URL will be much more buildy. Yes. We like shares and likes on Facebook, particularly of mm-hmm. new show posts. We like retweets on Twitter, particularly new show tweets. We like reviews and ratings on iTunes. And your pictures for new films and reviews of stuff we've covered. You know what? I really should do a pre-record of this and just play <laughs> yeah, it under a track because I'm getting really bored of reading it every week <laughs> and usually screwing it up. Thanks, to everyone, for listening, yep. especially if you've done any of those things. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Upbeat Productions for letting us back into the submersible. Yes. And thank you, as ever, to Alexia Mom for his amazing amounts of technical expertise and assistance.
1: Yes, and we should also thank Rob, the studio manager, for, we should indeed. for, yes. for, for setting up the table, which uh, is a skill that he has been trying to hone over the oh, last really? couple of weeks, I've been off uh, for two
0: weeks, so I don't know what's been going yeah, so, on. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So he he managed to get a table set up in the studio when it was required, mm-hmm. uh, which is a big leap forward. Okay,
0: uh, I'm sure there is more to explore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, until next week, go and watch um, Searching for Sugar Man. Yep. And whatever the one Tom Pitch me was, <laughs> Sound City. I'm kidding. I knew, I knew it this time. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I knew it this time. Sound City and Searching for Sugar Man. There you're. Yeah. That's your homework, musical yeah. homework for next yeah. week. And, and if
1: you get a chance. Jason Becker not dead yet and Beware Mr Baker
0: excellent good uh, so it's uh, it's music themed next yeah. week and as ever I don't have a good outro so oh,
1: no bye. bye bye